I'm Evan Knappen, and welcome to Gun Lawyer. So I've been thinking about the anti-gun attacks lately and their machinations and their schemes and these constant barrage of uh, propaganda that we get out of them. And in one way, they're they're pretty good at it. I mean, they, they're creative. They sure come up with a lot of fun descriptions to push their propaganda efforts. And, you know, one of the big ones now that's really taken on a lot is ghost guns, you know, ghost guns. And I was thinking about this whole thing about ghost guns and what's the underlying thing going on there with ghost guns. And really what it is, it's about guns that don't have Serial numbers. I mean, you boil it right down to it, it's unserialized numbered guns. Whether it's a gun you built yourself with no serial number or a gun that was made before with no serial number, even manufactured. So the whole thing behind gun, ghost gun and the danger of ghost guns is that guns are not serial numbered. And, and then you have to take it. So let's, let's think this through. Why are serial numbers so important? Who cares? What what makes it? Why is it? Oh well, we, we have to trace guns. Yeah, bullshit. Frankly, okay. Frankly, it is because gun tracing is about the lamest, least crime-solving thing out there. Oh, it's great for a statistical twisting to show the number of crime guns from a dealer that were sold except they're not crime guns it's just any gun seized because they seize or the dealer's been in business a long time so they've sold lots of guns you know but this is a problem dealer one of those bad apples so so it's used for propaganda purposes that's true and it's used uh, you know to aid in their ultimate goal and that's universal registration. We've talked about it before. I'm sure you know they want registration because with registration, that's how you get the confiscation. Now, look, folks, either you believe that registration leads to confiscation, which I believe with all my heart, or you can just quit listening to me now, honestly, because that's the game. And history has repeated itself over and over. Legislation registration, confiscation, then extermination, and history goes on and on doing this. So what does all this boil down to? It boils down to registration is a threat, an immediate present danger threat to our Second Amendment rights. And the fundamental requirement of registration is serial numbers on guns. And I'm going to tell you right now, I oppose all serial numbers on guns. And what I want to see is the Firearms Privacy Protection Act. Guns that you and I own are private and need to remain private. And all a serial number does is make it registerable so that our privacy to our firearm possession is now violated. 
I want firearm privacy protection law, which means the absolute elimination of mandatory serial numbers on firearms. Now, you may say, well, what about theft? What about theft? I mean, you know, that way, okay, well, I understand we want to keep our valuables and, and be able to identify valuables. But, you know, there's plenty of very valuable things in our society that aren't serial numbered, okay? Uh, gold bullion coins aren't serial numbered. Your jewelry isn't serial numbered, all right? There's, there's lots of valuables out there that somehow theft protection, you know, is still uh, available, still able to deal with it, even though they don't have serial numbers and it's not registered, right? So that doesn't cut it. And plus, it's not actually a theft deterrent because, frankly, for all these years that we've operated in this country with a stolen firearm database, you know who's able to access it? Only law enforcement. No, 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 think about this now. Only law enforcement. I'm a gun dealer. Someone comes to my shop. They want to sell me a gun. I know I take their name, address, info. I do the acquisition disposition, all good. But can I check that gun off a stolen gun list before I accept it? Hell no. It's not available for that. It's only after the fact. If they're just doing some investigation or this gun has come into the police to their attention somehow, that that check actually gets done. But citizens aren't allowed to do it. You're not allowed just to check. I mean, think how feasible it is to have a database that we could just go online, put a gun in serial number, see if it comes up stolen or not. I wouldn't want to purchase a stolen gun. I don't think you would want to purchase a stolen gun. I know damn sure dealers don't want to purchase stolen guns, but we don't know what guns are stolen. And yet this database is supposedly out there and we can't touch it. And, you know, if you if you think back to the old days before, uh, with if you dealt with credit cards, they used to publish lists upon lists of stolen credit cards. And if you worked as a clerk in a store before you accepted a credit card, you had to check the list to make sure the card wasn't a stolen card. It was done to stop that. You can't do that with a gun today. So the whole thing for all these years of even having a stolen gun database on serial numbers, we're not allowed access, and it is ineffective, absolutely ineffective if they really wanted to do it. So, And I'll tell you what, what I'm talking about here isn't that you can't have a gun with a serial number if you want one. You can put a serial number on your gun. The Manufacturer may offer guns with or without serial numbers. It's up to you. But instead, the whole thing now is mandatory serial numbers and guns that you can't even own if they don't have a serial number and criminalizing guns with no serial number. I want a ban on mandatory serial numbers you know, think about this. Many states have the defacement statutes. 
Oh, you can't possess a gun that's had its serial number removed or defaced. Well, here's a real simple start to my Firearm Privacy Protection Act. Repeal the defaced firearm statutes. You want to remove serial number from your gun? No problem. Remove it. Why not? Not a problem. Oh, you think gun tracing works? Of course it doesn't. It doesn't work. Oh, there's isolated cases. Well, you know, there's always exceptions, but that's hardly worth it when you look at the big picture of our privacy, our firearm privacy. And if you don't want a serial number on your gun, you should be able to remove it. Every one of those firearm defacement laws should be repealed. There should be no mandatory requirement of serial numbers, and guns should not have serial numbers, because that is the gateway to registration and the ultimate violation of our firearm privacy. And our firearm privacy needs to be protected. Why do we give it up for guns? Oh, yeah, you want to know that I own a gun? No problem. You want to, oh, I have to register? Oh, sure, let's read. I need a serial number when I act, when I buy it so that you know that number and I bought that gun. Why? Why? Should we, should we have serial numbers on books? Every time you buy a book, we make sure we note the book with the serial number that you bought that you own? What do you say? Is that right? No, of course not. We don't, we want privacy. And we got to start changing our thinking because otherwise we're just taking it from the other side. They're grabbing our privacy, grabbing it away and saying, yeah, we, we got to ban guns with no serial numbers. They're illegally registering literally a billion guns because of serial numbers. You want federal dealers to do transactions? Yeah, but no serial numbers get recorded. That's right. No serial numbers. We eliminate the threat. Listen, there is no reason why we, as gun owners, as believers in the Second Amendment, can't demand our privacy. No reason we can't stand up and say we don't want to risk registration and confiscation on our rights. No reason. We shouldn't just be taking it. Yet that's what's going on right now. We're just, oh, 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 well, serial numbers, uh, no, not cutting it. Let's take a stand against them. Let's repeal the laws that stop us from even removing serial numbers. Let's stop mandating serial numbers. Every gun should be a ghost gun, in my opinion. Every gun. Nothing would better ensure our freedom than every gun being a ghost gun. There's no reason we should accept this intrusion into our rights. Yet have you ever heard anyone say what I'm saying now? You know you haven't. But it's time we start thinking about it and we start taking action to get the legal change that we need and not accept what they've been shoving down our throat for years laying a foundation for registration and confiscation and maybe even worse. Look, you say this is ridiculous, impossible. How can, I'll tell you what. 20, 30 years ago, 
you told me that we'd ever have half of America with constitutional carry, where you can carry a gun with no permit at all, concealed, loaded for self-defense in half of America already? I wouldn't be able to stop laughing in your face, right? But look at where we are now. We can do this. It's time to change our mindset. Destroy all gun records. Repeal the defacement laws. Make every gun a ghost gun. I've got some great letters to talk about when we come back. For over 30 years, attorney Evan Knappen has seen what rotten laws do to good people. That's why he's dedicated his life to fighting for the rights of America's gun owners. A fearsome courtroom litigator fighting for rights, justice, and freedom. An unrelenting gun rights spokesman tearing away at anti-gun propaganda to expose the truth. Author of six best-selling books on gun rights, including Knappen on Gun Law, a bright orange gun law Bible that sits atop the desk of virtually every lawyer, police chief, firearms dealer, and savvy gun owner. That's what made Evan Knappen America's gun lawyer. Gun laws are designed to make you a criminal. Don't become the innocent victim of a vicious anti-gun legal system. This is the guy you want on your side. Keep his name and number in your wallet and hope you never have to use it. But if you live, work, or travel with a firearm, the deck is already stacked against you. You can find him on the web at evannappen.com or follow the link on the Gun Lawyer resource page. Evan Knappen, America's Gun Lawyer. You're listening to Gun Lawyer with attorney Evan Knappen. Available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I am a lawyer. I am a lawyer. Hey, welcome back to Gun Lawyer. And I've got some very interesting letters here that I love to answer and talk about. I want to thank you all for being listeners to Gun Lawyer. It really makes a difference. Gives the opportunity to put these crazy ideas out so folks can start letting it internalize and think about it and look at that bigger picture. It means a lot to me. And we're just here. We want our freedom and we want our rights. And you know we're under attack. And this gives the platform and the voice. So tell your friends. Please subscribe anywhere you get. You can get podcasts. You can get Gun Lawyer. So I have a uh, couple letters here. This letter is from Brian. And Brian says, regarding firearm instructor place of employment exception. He says he does pistol instruction at various locations. And at the range, he has no problem possessing firearms. What about other places? I do firearm safety at different venues like the VFW, hotels, other conference rooms. Since I'm the owner of the business and renting the room temporarily, would that be covered under the exemption of place of business allowing me to have firearms for instructional purposes? Thank you for all you do. And, and I mean, I understand the creative thinking here, but uh, I wouldn't recommend that. The exemptions are narrowly construed. The exemption for place of business um, means it has to be your place of business. 
a rented hotel room or conference room isn't your place of business. You're not receiving uh, mail there, for example. You're not paying taxes, you know, property taxes. You're not business uh, to that locale. I mean, this is, you know, place of business isn't just uh, the place where you're giving that instruction. And remember, you're dealing with New Jersey, who is not going to look to expand exemptions, but rather to narrowly tailor them and to do everything in its power to uh, try to argue that you are outside the exemption. And it would be a tough sell to do this. The exemption for firing range, target range, you know, is black and white. It's in the, it's in the exemptions. And this would not be such a facility. And so it would even be an argument that the exemptions themselves don't specifically address it, and therefore the legislature didn't mean to cover it. Uh, these are things that I've seen the state do to argue. Remember, the exemptions in Jersey, particularly, they're a defense. They're a defense that means the burden of proof is going to be on you to show it. It's not on the state to disprove it till you first prove it. You're guilty till proven innocent. That's how the laws work in Jersey. So there's great risk in any of these kind of uh, activities unless you're solidly within exemption. There's a, a case just talking about place of business, for example, where the individual ran a bar. Now, this person did everything. They opened and closed the bar. They hired and fired. They took all the income and money and bought supplies and did everything to run this bar except actually own the bar. And every month, the person who ran this facility would send a check down to some guy out of state that actually owned it. But he did everything that any owner would do. And it was plainly to any layperson who you'd say that's his place of business. Yet the court held that it wasn't his place of business and that the handgun that he had there was unlawfully possessed by him and not his place of business. So that's the kind of things we, you run into, and that's why that is unfortunately very uh, problematic to try to rely on the exemption like that. Now I have another one here from Brian, and uh, this is regarding the Berna Related to your answer on the carry or possession of Berna at work. Wouldn't pepper spray exemption allow the use of Berna? It doesn't have a restriction on how the pepper spray is deployed, only the amount which Berna is less than the allowed amounts. Okay. A problem with the Berna gun goes to the problem that New Jersey has created in its other weapon prohibition. New Jersey prohibits under subsection D of NGS 2C39-5 other weapons. Let me read you, it's very short, what the prohibition says in Jersey for other weapons. And this applies as well to tasers, to stun guns, etc. It says other weapons. Any person who knowingly has in his possession any other weapon 
under circumstances not manifestly appropriate for such lawful uses as it may have is guilty of a crime of the fourth degree. That's fourth degree felony level offense, even though Jersey doesn't call them felonies, but it carries a year and a half in state's prison, which would make you a felon under federal law or prohibited person. We just use the term felon to indicate that. So you just heard the prohibition on other weapons. So some of you may say, oh, well, well, look, I'm carrying my burner for self-defense. Self-defense. It's plainly a manifestly appropriate lawful use. I just want to defend myself. And folks, I get that. I agree with you even with the sentiment. The problem is the courts in New Jersey, the case law in New Jersey, has made it crystal clear that arming yourself preemptively outside your home with a weapon for the purposes of self-defense is specifically not a circumstance that is manifestly appropriate. That language right there, the court has said, sorry, self-defense doesn't count. That's right. New Jersey, as usual, would rather see us be a victim than a defender. And when it comes to other weapons, whether it's burner guns or stun guns, you can't preemptively arm yourself with that weapon outside your home. And this is the prohibition. So why do you have a burner gun on you? What's its purpose? Well, plainly, it's for self-defense. And the same as to why do you have a taser or a stun gun? I mean, you're not herding cattle, right? I mean, you have it for self-defense. Well, the court has said that's no good. So because that's no good, you're in a position of not being able to carry it. Now, the question that Brian has, one: so what about possession at work? Well, there is the exemption for place of business, as we talked about, but place of business is narrowly construed. I told you about the case with the, you know, the guy running the bar. And this is the same problem. And you, you're not going to fit yourself into that exemption for place of business, which does apply to other weapons, but won't work here. And the other exemption is talking about the pepper spray exemption. Now, there is only one weapon that a New Jerseyan can carry preemptively for self-defense outside the home, and that is pepper spray. But it is a narrow exemption. And let me read you the exemption very specifically. It And it goes directly to the subsection D, 39.5, and it says it shall not be construed to prevent, by the way, this is found at NGS 2C 39.6, subsection little I, okay, the letter I. 
shall be construed to prevent any person who is 18 years or older and has not been convicted of a felony, see even New Jersey uses the word felony in its own statute, from possession for purpose of personal self-defense of one pocket-sized device, so it's one device, which contains and releases not more than three-quarters of an ounce of chemical substance not ordinarily capable of lethal use or inflicting serious bodily injury, but rather intended to produce temporary physical discomfort or disability through being vaporized or otherwise dispensed in the air. A person in possession of any device in violation shall be deemed an adjudged disorderly person. So you see... The definition here is pretty clearly on pepper sprays, vaporizing in the air, dispense in the air. The burner gun fires a ball, a pepper ball. It isn't dispensed in the air. It isn't vaporized. It's not till it strikes the target that it has its effect. So it is in effect firing this missile or projectile and the weight of chemical is not necessarily going to be by weight of each burn a ball. It's going to be the substance inside and how many are in the gun that is contained in it. And if that's over three quarters of an ounce, you're going to lose your argument on that. And it plainly isn't a traditional pepper spray, aerosol-type spray container that most envision here. And then you run into problems with it falling under definition of firearm or definition of weapon. Now, granted, paintball markers, paintball markers are not firearms in New Jersey because of the In Re Gong case, G-O-N-G. But paintball markers can be weapons in New Jersey, and anything can become a weapon depending on how it's used. But the firearm definition on the burner gun gets even spookier because the definition for firearm talks about uh, any gun, device, or instrument in the nature of a weapon from which may be fired or ejected any solid projectable ball, slug, pellet, missile, or bullet, or any gas, vapor, or other noxious thing. Noxious, noxious thing, it says. By means of a cartridge shell or the action of an explosive or the igniting of flammable or explosive substance. But, so... You have gas or vapor, right, or explosive, and then the statute specifically says it shall include, without limitation, so they want this broad, any firearm which is the nature of an air gun, a spring gun, or other weapon of similar nature in which the propelling force is spring, elastic bag, band, carbon dioxide, 
compressed or other gas or vapor, air or compressed air or is ignited by compressed air and ejecting a bullet or missile smaller than three-eighths of an inch in diameter with sufficient force to injure a person. So this firearm definition with paintball got around the size issue because of it being roughly 68 caliber as opposed to the smaller than three-eighths of an inch. But sufficient force to injure starts to make it get a little shakier. And then when you go to the actual definition of weapon, weapon is anything readily capable of lethal use or inflicting serious bodily injury. And this says the term includes, but it's not limited to. And you go down and it says stun guns and any weapon or other device that ready projects, releases, or emits tear gas or any other substance intended to produce temporary physical discomfort or permanent injury through being vaporized or otherwise dispensed in the air. So we're making full circle now back to other weapons and the problem with other weapons, and this plainly would fall into the category of at least other weapon, even we can fight to keep it out of a category of firearm. And then we have the exemptions that do not apply for the place of business. At least it's extremely shaky. And remember, burdens on us to prove it. And we have case law that cuts against us pretty hard. And we have the court saying preemptively arming yourself outside your home is not a manifest lawful purpose. So there's an extremely detailed explanation for you folks out there as to the problems that we have in New Jersey, even on wanting to defend ourselves with less than lethal weapons of self-defense. And even though this is all um, depressing, stay tuned because we may very well have the Supreme Court case on carry reverse and change that court opinion so that carrying outside the home for self-defense will be protected expressly by the Second Amendment via the upcoming decision. So let's keep our fingers crossed so all this opens up so we can no longer be victims and start being defenders. This is Evan Knappen reminding you that gun laws don't protect honest citizens from criminals. They protect criminals from honest citizens. Gun Lawyer is a Counterthink Media production. The music used in this broadcast was managed by Cosmo Music, New York, New York. Reach us by emailing evan at gun.lawyer. The information and opinions in this broadcast do not constitute legal advice. Consult a licensed attorney in your state.